Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiva. Today we are talking Pirkei Avot, character traits, how to work on ourselves, cultivating our character. And we know that this is a period when people study Pirkei Avot, especially since the period Pesach to Shavuos is a time of working on personal refinement. And the truth is, beyond that, we are now in the times leading up to Rosh Hashanah. It's only, it's, it's, it's probably less than a hundred days away. So the new year is coming soon and it's probably great questions. How are we going to face the new year? What are we going to do? How are we going to embrace it? What's it going to be like? Are we going to even be in shul? So these are lots of questions that we need to be looked at and discussed and addressed, but we'll leave that for the communal leadership to deal with. What I want to talk to you particularly about is this week's chapter of Perki Avot, where we're going to look at these ethics from Sinai, how to cultivate our character. And I'm going to pick a particular Mishnah that I learned with our Chabad Seniors Club this morning on our daily Zoom shiur, because I think it's relevant and important and a worthwhile discussion. And this Mishnah is the sixth one, which says, Yeshua ben Prachia taught that every person should have three things. Aselech harav, make yourself a teacher. Number two, kenelech haver, acquire for yourself a friend. And number three, have they done as kol ha'adam l'tafskus, we should judge every single person favorably. And so, my friends, if we look at these Mishnahs, this Mishnah, there's three powerful teachings here on how we are to relate with others. And I think this is a very pertinent and relevant message to what is happening presently in the world. So let's look at this because it's looking at three different, three different types of relationships. We are going upward. That is your Rav, your mentor, your teacher, your rabbi, your master. Number two is laterally, we're looking at Kanelech Chachaver, your friendships. And number three, we're looking at, I don't want to say downward, but basically those who we don't necessarily see as an equal, those who perhaps we're prone to look downward toward for whatever reason. And this Mishnah is telling us how to deal with all three areas. The people we look up to for guidance and instruction, the relationships we have with our peers, and how we relate to those who are somewhat different than us, those who seem to be inferior in some way. So let's analyze all three. Let's start with the first part. Go looking upward. Every person should have a mentor, a teacher. Now this short statement, just three words in Hebrew, contains a number of significant insights. The word rav, which I translated as rabbi, could also mean a master, but the basic meaning of this statement is that every person needs to have a rav, a mentor, a spiritual authority to guide us through life's difficult decisions. We face challenges, we face difficulties. How do we endure? How do we go through them? Well, the message of the Mishnah was very clear. You should have that mentor, that teacher, that person who you can deal with. And as we know, Judaism puts a big emphasis on self-education, the objective to study Torah, to learn more, to constantly grow spiritually. We know that's not just a privilege. It's an important 
part of a Jew's duty every day. You have the opportunity right here on Chai FM constantly. You tune in and there's so many shiurim and, and opportunities and things to, to, to study, to, to learn right here, right? So that's the one part which is the self-growth. A friend of mine walked into the library in Santon back before the whole COVID-19 began, and he asked the librarian, where's the self-help section? And she says, I can't tell you that. That would defeat the point. But we really do like to work on our self-development, our personal growth, and that's an important part of Judaism, every day working on ourselves in that way. Now, this is something, in fact, that we know in God's words to Joshua, where Hashem says, this book, the Torah, should not leave your mouth. You should study it day and night. Our sages tell us that the study of Torah is equivalent to all the mitzvahs. That's what it says in the first Mishnah of Tractate Peah. So as a result, historically, the Jewish people have literally had a high literacy rate throughout history, which that wasn't necessarily the case with other societies, actually, because literacy wasn't a priority until recent times. Only a very small percentage of populations were literate until the modern era. And, of course, Perkyavo tells us in chapter 4, the first Mishnah there, it says that, Who is truly wise? One can learn from every single person. To be open to hearing a great variety of views and opinions and learning from them. This is something that is so important about learning from others, being able to to learn from another person. We know that some people can't learn from others, and maybe we would have more tolerance in the world, because the truth is every single person out there has something to teach us. If we just took the time to learn from others, to realize there is something to learn from every single person in the world. There's it's just... You could learn from every, from every instance, from every encounter, from everything. There's always a lesson to be learned. So this is the first message I want to impart for today is that we have to be willing to learn from every person, to be open to hearing the variety of views and opinions and learning from them. So the question that I will leave you with before we go to the marketplaces, why is this Mishnah telling us then that we should make ourselves a teacher? Why do you have to have a specific person that we learn from? That particular mentor as our guide. Why not do our own research and consult the, the Google and learn? There's so many Torah books to learn from. Uh, maybe talk to a variety of rabbis, get multiple opinions. Wouldn't that be wise? Well, We'll discuss that when we're back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiedman. And today we are talking about, we're analyzing the sixth Mishnah, the first chapter of Prikyavat, and discussing the three aspects of our relationships. Those above us, those on par with us, and those, so to say, below us. The question that I asked before was, 
why is it necessary, according to the Mishnah, to have your rabbi, your God, your mentor? Shouldn't you be shopping around and looking for different opinions, different perspectives? After all, don't we, don't we cherish, don't we appreciate having diversity, different perspectives and opinions? So that's the question we asked. And I will share with you one of the answers, at least, that comes to my mind. And that is, there, first of all, books gives us data and knowledge, but they don't tell us how to apply that information to the specific cases that we are dealing with. You could do a Google search. I know I have a friend who's a doctor, and one of her pet peeves is, why is that that so many people think that they could do their Google search and with Google, they know better than the doctors themselves. And people could argue with a doctor based on what they've searched in Google. So, you know, it really truly vexes her, the fact that people do that. Because at the end of the day, the you have to know how to apply that which you, you know, you studied something great. But how are you applying the message of what you studied to the particular details of that specific situation. Every situation has its specifics, and you have to know how to deal with those specifics. So yes, the Mishnah says, who is wise when it learns from everyone. That's true. And I think there's a lot to to learn from that, because you, you think of what you could learn from other people. You know, the common perception when you see a teacher and a student, you assume that the teacher is the one with the greater knowledge and wisdom, right? The wiser and more knowledgeable the person, the less they need to learn from someone else. And here, the mission is telling us just the opposite, that a truly wise person is one who finds that you could learn something from everyone, including those whose knowledge maybe is... Maybe they're not as knowledgeable as you, right? So if you look at the Mishnah, I'm going to jump now to chapter 4 for a second. Who is wise when it learns from every person? The First of all, if you look at this, the word, a chacham, a zehu chacham, right? Well, how do we call a scholar, or at least a Torah scholar in, in Hebrew, a Talmud chacham, a wise student? What is a wise student? Why is he just, why is he called a, a Talmud chacham, a wise student? Or a student of wisdom, maybe, is another way to understand it. Because you can't separate the word student from the word wise. The moment a person stops thinking of themselves as a student, the moment a person thinks that there's nothing else for them to learn, that person's not wise. So the Mishnah is telling us, learning from every person. Now, obviously, we must learn from those who are intellectually and perhaps morally inferior from us. We could learn what not to do, right? But what we should, what should we learn from someone who's, you know, you, you could learn, the irony is the mission is saying even from a bad person, right? There, there, there are multiple ways to understand this. I see some messages coming through. How could you there? Okay, so I'm going to try to clarify that. You know, one approach is that when you encounter a morally deficient person, like I said, l- learn how not to behave. You know, that's that's important. The very fact that by divine providence, you are aware of certain negative trait or behavior in someone else, that should be a lesson that should be seen as a sign from above that you need to learn from that 
what you're seeing about something within yourself as well. Even if it's only a very subtle reflection of perhaps a certain trait or behavior within ourselves, but when we see something from another person, the Shanta famously taught that every person is a mirror image of yourself. So if your own face is clean, the image that you're going to see in someone else is also going to be clean and flawless. But if you look into the mirror and you see a blemish, the Balshemtov taught that what you're seeing in that other person, that person's um, shortcoming, that person's flaw is actually a reflection of an imperfection of something within yourself. So that's one way to understand it. Another aspect is that to find a way to exploit a negative trait in a positive way. For example, while the Talmud condemns envy, jealousy, it's something in the Ten Commandments as negative and destructive. But you know what it, the Gemara does tell us is that kinas sofrim tar that the envy among scholars actually increases wisdom. So Hasidus tells us that every person you know, we could use the example of, of pride, of arrogance, which is detestable, right? It's a very reprehensible trait, and it's a, we should avoid it at all costs. But at the same time, there is a, a positive aspect of ego, and that is that if a person tells themselves that I am so great, you know, my father of blessed memory, as Yort said is next week, would sometimes wag his finger at me if he didn't approve of my behavior and say to me, I'm becoming of you. So if we could think of ourselves, uh, we are coming from Shavuos last week. You should be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, God declares. If that's the case, if we see ourselves as a holy nation, then we have to know that our behavior has to be up to a certain standard as well. So, This is something that is so important and applies to every negative phenomenon that we have to realize how we should reject the negative trait but at the same time find something that is positive in it. So yes, you could find something positive in, like the Gemara says, in envy. Don't be jealous of another person's possessions as the Ten Commandments clearly tells us. But at the same time, you could be envious of another person's good deeds and say, I admire that and I wish to emulate it. And the same thing could be said about, like the Gemara says, be jealous of someone's wisdom. And Hasidus tells us, although ego and haughtiness and arrogance is negative, but if you could have a healthy self-esteem, then that's a good way to channel that kind of feeling comes to mind is the Hayom Yom of, of, of Gimel Iyar, the third of Iyar, which is my father in most birthday, so I never forget them, some other very precious dear people to us. So it's, it's a Hayom Yom that always stands out in my mind. It's an insight from the Rebbe where he talks about, he just mentions the story of, I think it was Rav Zusha of Anapali, great Hasidic master. People uh, like telling a lot of stories about Reb Zusha these days because I think I even told the story myself here a few weeks ago that Zusha and his brother Ali Malik once wound up in a jail cell and they couldn't have a Myrif and that it was, it was very upset until he realized that the same 
Jewish law that tells us that we have to pray three times a day also tells us that under certain circumstances, like when you're stuck in a bathroom, which isn't very common that you are stuck in a bathroom, that you then can't davamar. So the idea that people are learning from this story at this time is that now the mitzvah is, so to say, to say, not so to say, very clearly, is to save lives. And therefore, we're not going to show. Therefore, there's a moratorium for another 10 days that we don't, Resume shuls even though it's legal because we don't want to take the risk and chance yet. We see what's happening in overseas where some shuls reopened and it all of a sudden spiked in the disease and the pandemic in those particular areas. So it's something we have to be considerate of. So that's one famous lesson of Zusha. But the story I wanted to tell you before I digress further is the Reb Zusha would say that you could learn various things from a thief. And since I don't have the Hayom Yom in front of me, I'll have to try to remember as many of them as possible. Number one, he says that a thief oftentimes, you know, what he does, it's it's clandestine, it's secret, it's not something he exposes. He doesn't want other people to to know about it. And in that sense, there's something positive about not always announcing to the world everything you're going to do. The thief is willing to take risks to achieve their goal, and likewise, Reb would say, what risks, what sacrifices are you willing to make to also fulfill, to do what you have to do? You know, in life, we have to make some sacrifices sometimes. So that's some, that's another message. Um, what else did he say? Let me quickly try to pick up the Hayom Yom here on Google. So another one is he's, the, the thief is very careful with all the details of his operation, right? Regardless if they're minor or major, every detail is important. Are we meticulous in our life? Do we look at every detail as important? The thief invests tremendous effort in what he does. So do we invest ourselves fully in what we do? Thieves are swift. We know that certainly that's, a Mishnah Perkyabat as well, that we ought, in fact, it's the opening of the code of Jewish law of Shulchan Aruch, that one should be swift, like a leopard, right? We gotta be quick, bold like an eagle. And the thief will always, you know, if they weren't, uh, the thief has an opt- a certain optimism. In fact, when the thief fails, at least some thieves, they try again. So do we have that optimism? Do we try again? So I'm sure there are probably some more lessons, but the point is that we're, we could also realize that every one of God's creations is, is um, inherently good, right? So the negativity that we see is only the external reality. If we look deep enough, then we're going to find the positive, the core of goodness. And every one of us, if we look at another, we could find deeper good qualities that every single person has. And I know it might be difficult sometimes, but that's why it says, who is truly a wise person, the one who's able to learn from every person. Sometimes you have to look very deep to learn from certain individuals. You know, there's a story in the Gemara about Rabbi Elazar. He was the son of, of, uh, 
of, I think, of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. But anyways, the Gemara tells a story that he was coming from Migdal Gedor, and he was very proud of himself because there he was learning from his teacher. And it's a famous story. It's one story that I've told many times, how he's riding leisurely on his donkey by the riverside, feeling very happy and elated because he studied that day. He was very excited. And the Gemara tells how this person, very ugly person, chanced upon him, greeted him and said, Shalom Alecha, Rabbi, peace unto you by my master. But Rabbi Elazar himself, he did not return the greeting, the salutation. Instead, his response was, make you empty one. How ugly, how ugly is this person? And he asks, are all people from the city who come from as ugly as you? And the Talmud describes how this person at least mustered the courage to answer such a despicable response. And says, I don't know, but go and tell the craftsman who made me. How ugly is this vessel which you have made? And you know, the story goes on, you know, Rebbe Lazar obviously realized with this man's response how wrong he was in calling this person ugly. And Digmar describes how he went off his donkey, dismounted, and he prostrated himself to the fellow, and he begged him for forgiveness. And the man says, I am not going to forgive you until you go to the craftsman who made me, and you ask him, you say to him, how ugly is that, vast, that vessel that you made? And Rabbi Lazar, realizing how wrong he was, kept walking behind this person until they reached the, the city. And there, Rabbi Lazar was being greeted by all the students, by all the people. And when they greeted Rabbi Lazar with respect, this man said, you know, how could you greet him? And said, I can't forgive him. And he related the whole story. And finally, the people pressed upon him to forgive the rabbi. And he said, I will only forgive the rabbi on one condition. And that condition was, he said, that he will not act like this again in the future. You know, he's a respected, dignified rabbi, but he has to know how to treat other people. You don't call other people ugly. And the Gemara tells us that Rabbi Lazar went straight to the study hall to the Beis HaMedrash, and he said a person should always be pliant as a reed and not hard as a cedar. And, you know, just you, you think of the story, you could assume that, on the one hand, Rabbi Lazar looks at this guy, and I don't think, you know, I don't know any rabbi who would be so rash to speak to somebody that way and call them ugly. And Hasidus tells us that he wasn't necessarily referring to the man's physical features, but rather he was referring to the person's spiritual and moral ugliness and called that up. Right? Perhaps this person was fully deserving of Rebbe Lezer's condemnation. And maybe it was the rabbi's harsh words that actually prompted this ugly, quote-unquote ugly person to re-examine himself and to seek out a more worthy self-definition as a vessel of God's craftsmanship. So Rebbe Lazar begged the man's forgiveness because Rebbe Lazar perhaps failed to realize the deeper truth that even this 
ostensibly ugly state of this individual was still a creation of God. And as such, a, an exemplar of the divine goodness and perfection. So it's this reality that he should have seen within the person, not just the person's faults, but like the Mishnah says, we have to see deeper within each person. And this story, and I have to still get back to the mission in our, in our chapter, uh, but this story shed light on the meaning of the, you know, Dabin HaMalach says in Tehillim, he says, from all my teachers, I have grown wise. Your testimonials are my meditation. And I think, you know, Dabin HaMalach speaks of having grown wise from his teachers, right? But here the Mishnah thanks from every person. He says, your testimonials are my meditation. What does he mean? But our Mishnah is telling us that when we learn from every person, which includes, as this story of the Gemara illustrates, even the ugly, the bad, the sinful people, I think we can understand that every human being, we realize... It's God's handiwork. It's God's creation. And therefore, a testimonial of God's craftsmanship. So we know that there has to be some divine goodness beneath whatever ugliness that the person is exhibiting. And therefore, we should look and see and try to find some benefit of that. Something good to learn from every person. I think it's an important message and lesson before we could proceed in our mission of how to learn from every single person out there. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiefman. We've been talking about how to cultivate our character. Avot. And the question I left you with earlier is, if we're meant to learn from every person out there, the Mishnah clearly says, then why is it that we specifically appoint a particular teacher? And the answer very simply, in my mind, is that every situation is unique. Every situation has its own, its own nuances and dilemmas. And therefore, we need, what's also needed is that judgment call. Something that's only, that only a flesh and blood person can do, who's objective, and can see things in the right way. And obviously, we are sometimes blinded by our own self-interest. Right? We've all had experiences of observing someone we know to be an intelligent and caring person, but sometimes people act in ways that are destructive to themselves and others. So everyone can see it, but they themselves don't necessarily see it. So we need to be able to, to guide ourselves, to navigate and realize, you know, the Gemara tells a story about one of the great sages, Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha, that he was approached by a person who gave him a, a brought him a gift. It was Reishi Sagaz, the, the first fleece, which is one of the special gifts that I brought to the Kohanim, to the priests for their service. And therefore, they're entitled to this. So he was a kind, and this person brought it to him. And, and he said, what's for? There are other kind who live closer to you. 
The man said, well, I got some legal issues. I wanted to know if you're able to to judge, to litigate this case. And Rabbi Shmuel said to him, I'm disqualified from hearing your case. First of all, you're bringing me, you know, you're bringing me a gift, bribery, corruption. And he sent him to two other rabbis. And the rabbi stood by and was watching the the court case, the hearing. And he started thinking to himself about this litigant. You know, if he would only argue his case a little bit differently, and the rabbi realized that he had a much better, more plausible, believable reason to to present. And Rabbi Shmuel then declared, and Gemara tells us that because it's written clearly in Tractic Subas, the story, he says, you see how corrupting the shoychad, the kabbalah shoychad, those who those who accept bribery, said, and look at me, I didn't even accept the bribe. And how much worse it could have been had I had had I indeed accepted it. So when it comes to decisions that will impact our lives and the lives of others, we need an objective authority to guide us. Right? We may be smart and knowledgeable and we may really desire to do the right thing. But our natural selfishness could still cloud our judgment. You know, getting many different opinions from other people is not going to help us overcome this. Obviously, it depends on the situation. Obviously, you know, when it comes to medical advice, perhaps, then it is appropriate to seek. But imagine you ask every doctor before you're going to go ahead with something. It's just going to be cloud your mind. So the idea here is have that mentor, that teacher, your guide who you go to. And, uh, it should be somebody who you do respect, somebody who, who you, who, who you're gonna listen to. And that should be your guide. That's the meaning, I say lecharav. And it's, it's something so important. Somebody's asking, somebody asked the question earlier if it's, if leadership is chosen or if it's imposed. You know, on the one hand, such an authority you're gonna listen to cannot be imposed by someone else. We, the, the person, you who are designating, appointing somebody as your mentor, you have to choose that person who you respect, right? It has to be somebody you trust, somebody who you know, somebody who cares for you, who doesn't have other agendas. But at the same time, the Mishnah does say, make that person. And making implies something that, that is imposed, right? You make somebody do something. So we need to make this person our teacher. We need to impose their authority on ourselves. It has to be something that we're going to listen to them and we're not going to defy or, you know, negate their advice. Otherwise, to defeat the purpose of why you made this person to be your mentor. We'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And welcome back to Sultan Salamari But Today we were studying the first chapter of Pekiyavot, Mishnah 6, which tells us, number one, every person should have a mentor, a guide, a teacher. And number two, you should have friends, not just have friends. It's telling us the importance of friendship. You should be willing to buy, to acquire yourself a friend. You know, we need teachers and role models to whom we look up to, as we said in the first part. But, it's no less important to have true friends, companions, people with whom we share our the burdens and joys of life. And, you know, um, Rabbi Hanina tells us how much he learned from his teachers, but even more so from his colleagues. So 
the, the point that Rabbi Hanina was teaching us here is that two people could carry a burden together, right? Uh, two people who carry a burden together, he tells us, could obviously carry a lot more. Not just one plus one equals two. The, the, the Gemara is telling us there that you could carry a lot more than what two individuals could carry when two people come together. So the mission is telling us very specifically, do what it takes, acquire, acquire, you know, friendships come at a, at a cost. We, we talk about the word carbon, sacrifice, which related to the word karof, to come close to people, sometimes requires sacrifice. We got to require, uh, we got to sacrifice a little bit of our own egos. We got to sacrifice a little bit of our self-centeredness. We have to be willing to do what it takes to cultivate true, real friendships. And, you know, it comes to mind as the story of Khani Hamazel, very famous, another Talmudic personality, which I won't go into the whole story right now, but his his final words at the end of his life, he says, is, which means either I have friendship or death. Give me friendship or give me death. That was his words. And, and, and really, I think that's something about life that we need to be able to have friendship. Even if it's misery likes company, at least it's with another. So, Seize the opportunities. Join along on your WhatsApp groups. Tune into some Zoom shiur and connect with friends. Pick up the phone. Reach out to a friend. It's vital. It's important. It is such an important part of life. That's why we have our high senior program. It's about bringing, infusing life into the elderly. I've personally seen how people deteriorate without those friendships, they are so, so important. They're literally a lifeline when we care for another, when we're there for another. Another thought that actually comes to the word kene is an insight from the previous rabbi. He would say, you know, in Yiddish, the word kene means a, a pen. So the mission is telling us that kene, your pen should be your friend. You know, writing things down. And today, perhaps we don't write in our diaries as we once did, but maybe your phone, your computer, your email, but write things out to have a little diary discuss things with a friend, it helps us gain that clarity of our thoughts and feelings. I've in my life sometimes just write something out, even if you you know if you're angry, if you have that vexation inside yourself. A healthy thing to do is to just write out your feelings. And you don't know how liberating and free it feels afterwards when you've just gotten it out. And you could throw the paper in the garbage afterwards. You could delete it, but you've expressed your feelings. I just want to top and to the last part of this Mishnah, which is, what was the last part? He said, which is looking upward, right? Then, the need to have on a lateral level the benefits of companionship, of friendship. And the final lesson of the Mishnah is that we should, you know, when you look down, to learn from all people. That's that's what the Mishnah told us. How to learn from every single person out there in our life. We really can. And that's why the Mishnah said we should don this kaladamakaskos to judge every person favorably. When we see each person's situation, you know, how often has it happened that we, we see someone do something or, or behaving in a certain way and we judge them negatively and only find out afterwards when we put things into perspective that, ah, had I known more information, maybe there's more to it. One of my favorite stories, one of my personal mentors in life 
was Stephen Covey, who the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the great stories he writes is how he's riding the subway in New York City and on uh, 68th Street. Now, if you know New York, 68th Street is where Sloan Kettering, Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital, an oncology center, where, you know, there was this man who gets on the train with his kids and they're making a ruckus. They're running up and down. And Stephen musters the courage to say to this guy, hey, why don't you get your kids in control? And the fellow says, oh, I'm so sorry. Their mom, my wife just died. And, uh, I guess they don't know how to handle it and I don't either. I'm so sorry. And Stephen just wanted to shrivel up. He was so embarrassed about his insensitivity. So sometimes when we're exposed to the greater picture, and that's why the Mishnah says, Craig is trying to get us to wrap up here. Just a few minutes, Craig will be done. And the idea is judge every person, every single person. Find the merit in them. Don't jump to conclusions. You know, do the opposite. Judge them favorably. Instead of assuming the worst, assume this something that we're just not aware of. And maybe that's why the Mishnah told us earlier where we read in, well, it's in chapter four where it says, learn from every single person. We really can learn from everyone. And if we could just learn that where we judge others favorably. Now, by the way, with ourselves, there's a little bit of a double standard. Don't always judge yourself favorably. To yourself, you can be a little bit critical because it's the only way we could fix our shortcomings is when we are a little bit self-critical of ourselves. But for others, we should just try to see the positive, the good, the merit in every person out there. And that's it, my friends. That's the message I want to leave you with. As you look at your fellow human being, don't just look at where they're standing at the moment. But we also have to see, to see each person that they... Everyone is created in the divine image. When you see someone perhaps has fallen low, when we see it's a reflection perhaps of something inside ourselves, but try to find the merit, the potential that that person has. And I think it's a very pertinent and relevant message for what we're seeing around the world today. With everything going on, the chaos that's happening, not to justify it in any way, but to look at the big picture and understand the frustration. And I think we'll understand things better and uh, absolutely no justification for rioting and looting, but certainly we have to be somewhat more sensitive. And if we could be more sensitive to everyone and judge people more favorably, the world would be a much better place. So today we learned, look upward, look sideways, and even look at those below us, everyone, in a positive way. Wishing you all a pleasant, meaningful, and great Shabbos. Carpe diem, seize every single moment for the best.